It is Pentecost Sunday. We observe that New Testament Pentecost where the Holy Spirit, as I read at the very beginning, that God will send the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, to be with us and be in us. And the Holy Spirit was sent as those disciples were in the upper room waiting for power from on high. You can read more about that in Acts chapter 2. And uh, as we are going to be in our Nehemiah series today, I uh, want to take a moment to start with this children's message uh, regarding some Star Wars and spiritual warfare. This is from G.J. the Bear, so check it out. Hey, everybody! It's me, G.J. Bear! Glad to see me! I mean, see you! Uh, Hey, anyway, I was just thinking about Pastor Russ's messages on Nehemiah, and it got me thinking. Hmm. Thinking. Got me thinking about prayer and how it helps us fight our battles. Battles? Huh. Well, that reminds me of Star Wars. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Yep, Star Wars. I love Star Wars. How about you guys? Heads are nodding. Good. So I have some friends that made an epic Star Wars battle. Pretend battle with lightsabers. Super cool. Watch this. creativity and the blocking and staging and lights, camera, action. So cool. Anyway, well, what we need to remember is in Nehemiah and today, we fight our battles with prayer. God loves it when we pray. He loves it when we ask him for help and he answers. Awesome. Well, thanks everybody. Good to see ya. GJ, zoom, 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 out. Woo. <laughs> Thank you, GJ, for that setup there. Um, I want to uh, lead us into Nehemiah chapter 4. We continue in this series. We paused last week for a special Memorial Day message, and we pick things back up here in the book of Nehemiah. We'll be in chapter 4 if you have your Bibles with you or your phones, please take a moment to look this up as we read through this particular passage. But before we read, I want to pray and ask for the Lord to just bless this time as we're in His Word, that He would speak to our hearts and guide us. And so please pray with us right now. Father, we thank You so much for Your Word. Your Word teaches us, it instructs us, it's truth, it guides us and leads us in the midst of a world that is filled with deception and confusion and and Lord, missing truth in so many ways, your word gives us direction, and we thank you for this. Guide us today, Lord. Speak to our hearts. May our hearts be in a place and a posture of response, not just to listen to the word, but to truly respond to it. Lord, help us by your grace. Guide us now. Anoint this this time together in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to read verse by verse here through chapter 4. The verses will also be on the screen if you are watching. 
Verse 1, Sanballat, which would be an enemy opposing Nehemiah, he was very angry when he learned that we were building the wall. And he flew into a rage and he mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers, what does this poor what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think that they're doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from this rubbish heap and charred ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, The stone wall would collapse even if a fox walked along the top of it. Then I prayed... Hear us, our God, for we are being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads, and may they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins, for they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders. At last, the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city, for the people had worked with enthusiasm. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs, Ammonites and Ashdodites heard that the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious. They all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. But we prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. When the people of Judah began to complain... The workers are getting tired and, and there is so much rubble to be moved. We will never be able to build the wall by ourselves. Meanwhile, our enemies were saying, before they know what's happening, we will swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. The Jews who lived near the enemy came and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. So I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. I stationed people to stand guard by families armed with swords and spears and bows. Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. When our enemy heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. But from then on, only half of my men worked, while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail." The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah, who were building the wall. The laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting their load and one hand holding a weapon. All the builders had a sword belted to their side, and the trumpeters stayed with me to sound the alarm. Then I explained to the nobles and officials and all the people, the work is very spread out and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. When you hear the blast of the trumpet, rush to wherever it's sounding. Then our God will fight for us. We worked early and late from sunrise to sunset, and half the men were always on guard. I also told everyone living outside the walls to stay in Jerusalem. 
That way they and their servants could help with guard duty at night and work during the day. During this time, none of us, not I, nor my relatives, nor my servants, nor the guards who were with me ever took off our clothes. We carried our weapons with us at all times, even when we went for water. This would be Nehemiah chapter 4. And as I walk through this and and just asking the Lord to help and, and guide and lead for this message today, we recognize a spiritual warfare here that's taking place. You've got guys like Sanballat and Tobiah and and these Arabs and Ammonites and Ashdodites and these individuals who are opposing Nehemiah and the people of God. And it may look like this is a battle against flesh and blood, but the, the scriptures are very clear. In Ephesians 6, the Bible says our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the spiritual powers in the air. I don't know if you recognize this or not, but there is a spiritual battle that is going on over your life, going on over the church, going on over people. Not everybody believes that, and that might seem kind of out there, but the reality of it is right in the scriptures. And we see this. It's, It's Satan at work through guys like Sanballat and his crew. And how they're opposing God's people. They're opposing God's work. And if you remember my second message in Nehemiah chapter 2, I highlighted a few things that these guys were already starting to do. When Nehemiah showed up to work on this wall, some of the things that came out, I'll pull this slide up from that message, but it says that they were displeased, they started mocking, they started questioning, And then in the midst of that, one of the things that took place is Nehemiah took authority. And I'll repeat that verse from Nehemiah 2, verse 20. It says, The God of heaven will help us succeed, and we will start building this wall. But you have no share, legal right, or historic claim in Jerusalem. He took authority of the situation, and in the midst of that, they began their work on the wall. But here, opposition resumes. The enemy comes back. And I want to walk us through some things that we see in this passage in which the enemy is at work again. The first thing is the, the enemy is going to be angry when you're doing God's work. We see that in verse 1 and we also see that in verse 7. Verse 1 flat out says, Sambalot was very angry. There's not a whole lot of interpretation there. He was ticked off. He flew into a rage, verse 1 says. And when the other guys jumped in on this in verse 7, it says they were furious. The enemy is angry when we're involved in the kingdom of God because as we serve in the kingdom, as we do God's work in the kingdom, it takes away the territory of the enemy. It takes away the stronghold that the enemy would have on your life, and in this case, the stronghold they had on the Jews. The next thing about the enemy is they began mocking Verse 1 flat out says he mocked the Jews. Then he begins more mockery, saying, oh, the poor, feeble Jews, and they offer just a few sacrifices. He starts diminishing now, and you see that in verses 2 and 3, talking about the, the, the heap of rubble, and they say, oh, it's charred ones at that. And then you got Tobiah jumping in. He says that the wall would collapse even if a 
tiny, tiny fox started walking on it. They start diminishing the work that they're trying to do. And you can see how the enemy does this in our life each and every day now. Making you think that what you're doing really doesn't matter. It's just, oh, this, it's really not a big deal. And I'll tell you what, anytime you're doing anything for the kingdom, it's a big deal. Don't let the enemy ever diminish the work that you're doing, even if it may not seem important at the time. You look at verse 8, a few things I'm going to hit real quick is you see the enemy scheming, you see the enemy opposing, and you see the enemy confusing. So in verse 8 it says, they all made plans. Here's the enemy is working a plan together to take down God's people and to cause disruption. In Ephesians 6, the Bible says that we must put on the armor of God because we have to stand against the devil's schemes. You better believe the devil is planning things to take down your life and to keep you from being effective in the kingdom of God. They oppose him. He says they're making plans to fight against Jerusalem. The enemy wants to oppose you and the enemy wants to confuse you. As verse 8 says, throw us into confusion. The enemy is very good at confusing people. Then the last part here in verse 11, the enemy flat out wants to destroy them. They're planning, they say, before they know what's happening, we'll swoop down on them, we'll kill them, and we'll end their work. Now that might be stated from men, but I can tell you right now, that is the spiritual enemy at work through these guys. As John 10.10 says that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, and you see these guys wanting to destroy God's people and end the kingdom work that they were a part of. 1 Peter 5.8, the Bible says to be sober-minded and be watchful because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Scripture flat up mentions Satan, mentions the devil. He's a very real adversary. Barna did a study a number of years ago of those who claim to be Christians and 60% believe that Satan is not real and that he's just a symbol of evil. 60% of people who claim to be Christian don't even recognize that they have a very real enemy who wants to thwart God's plans for their life. Well, we recognize that he's very real and that spiritual warfare does exist. If you don't believe me on that, please grab a Bible, turn to Ephesians 6, and read that chapter. You'll see very clearly that God tells us about the warfare that takes place. So what's our response? Since we have an enemy that's actively trying to take us out, what's our response to this warfare? And I want to highlight some things with how Nehemiah and God's people responded. The first piece of this, and G.J. touched on this, is prayer. In verse 4 and also in verse 9, verse 4 starts out, Nehemiah goes, then I prayed. That was his response to the first three verses when the enemy was starting to oppose them. His response wasn't to shoot back at them and retaliate, try to defend himself and his honor to them as they were mocking. The first thing he does, then I prayed. 
I think we can take some notes from Nehemiah here. You think about the people that can oppose us in our life, maybe the people that, that mock us, upset us, say bad things to us. I mean, you name it. We have enemies in our life, things that are very difficult to walk through, and what's the first response? Let's pray about it. Pray about it. Verse 9, when the opposition continues, he says, But we prayed to our God and then guarded the city day and night. So we go to God and we look to God. That's another point in this. When he prays, he says, Hear us, our God. And then as he's praying, he's very real about this. He talks about revenge on his enemies, but he puts that revenge in God's hands. Romans talks about how revenge is the Lord's, not ours to take. But in the midst of that, we lift it to the Lord and we say, God, please do something about this. It's very obvious that the enemy is at work in the midst of of the opposition here. And so, Lord, I need your help. I need you to take care of this situation. If we don't hand it over to the Lord, what can happen with the opposition is not only can they start to pick apart things in our life, but then they can cause us to retaliate in sin. Now they're winning twice. So we must go to God, we must look to Him, and handing it over to the Lord rather than trying to take matters into your own hands. The next piece in this is that you need to arm yourself. Several verses talk about Nehemiah placing guards, and they're armed with swords and and spears and bows. That's in verse 13. Verse 16, he says, Half of my men stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail, while the other half worked. 17, he said, The laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting their load, and the other hand holding a weapon. And all the builders had a sword bolted to their side and in verse 23 we carried our weapons with us at all times you know in Ephesians chapter 6 the Bible talks about how the word of God is like a sword sword of the spirit and how we use the sword of the spirit when the armor is listed in Ephesians 6 The sword is the only offensive weapon to go on the attack. Everything else would be defensive in the armor. If you're missing the sword in your life, how are you making any ground? All you're doing is defending. You're not actually attacking. He says to arm, arm themselves. And capping these first three things, praying and looking to God and arming yourself with His Word... The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, the weapons that we fight with are not weapons of the world. They're supernatural. So the Bible says, on the contrary, they have the divine power to demolish strongholds. We need to use the weapons that God has given us to truly fight effective spiritual warfare. Another point in regards to our response to warfare is we need to fight for our family. Verses 13 and 14, Nehemiah says, I stationed the people to stand guard by families. Verse 14, fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. As we fight this battle in spiritual warfare, it starts in the home. 
with your immediate family, then I think it extends to your church family, your brothers and sisters in Christ. How are we fighting together? I think of how this pandemic has shaken things up in the home. We put out a survey asking people how things have changed in the midst of their priorities and all that they're doing. And, and I was very encouraged to hear a lot of people say they've really enjoyed an extra amount of family time because a lot of this stuff that kept them busy or distracted that was taking away that time to invest in their family, it was back all of a sudden. And they were able to do things as a family, grow as a family. You know, and now we start to reopen. And I just want to caution us as a church to still guard that time and make sure that you're investing in your family. Fight for your family. Encourage one another in the body of Christ. Days come and go, weeks come and go. People walk through difficult things. It's important for us as a church body to surround one another and encourage each other in the kingdom. Another point in regards to spiritual warfare is we need to keep working. Keep working. 16 and also verse 21, he says, half of my men worked while the other half stood guard. In verse 21, we worked early and late from sunrise to sunset. It's important to be active in the kingdom of God. You cannot sit on your hands and be the hands and feet of Christ. We have to be working. That's important. If you want to advance the kingdom, it takes effort. It takes energy. It takes time. It takes sacrifice. But you must keep pressing on. The next point is that you see them sticking together. In verse 22, this is interesting. He says, I also told everyone that was living outside the walls to stay in Jerusalem. So he brings them in. That way that they, that way they and their servants could help with the guard duty at night and work during the day. To me, I see this, and I think it is so important to make sure that we as a body, we don't isolate ourselves. We must stick together. We must guard with each other, and that takes unity. And oftentimes in a church setting, in a church family, or even a, an immediate family, in your own household, there can be some kind of discord or some kind of issue. I'm telling you, work through that because you need each other. You must stick together. And my last point here in regards to spiritual warfare is that God has your back. This is huge. Verses 15, he says, God frustrated the enemy's plans. He frustrated the enemy's plans. And then in verse 20 it says, Then our God will fight for us. You know, oftentimes there's things that are happening that I don't know if we really fully understand how much God is truly working on our behalf. I think of the scriptures where it talks about the Holy Spirit interceding for us on our behalf. I think of how Jesus and the Holy Spirit are called advocates Jesus, the advocate, sitting at the right hand of the Father, and the Holy Spirit, our advocate, that is interceding up to the throne of God. I think of the scripture in Romans 8 when the Bible says that God works to the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. As we love God, as we do the kingdom work, 
God's got our back. That's an incredible encouragement. Because I'm telling you right now, I can't fight spiritual battles on my own. I need God's help. I need God's grace, protection. I need him to fight for me. And I'm thankful that his word tells us that's what he does. I've got a couple stories for you, and I'm pretty sure I've shared these with the congregation before, but as I was putting this together, I thought of them again in regards to spiritual warfare. The first story is of a friend of mine when I was uh, doing ministry in Minnesota. There was a group of them that, that went to Duluth, and they were doing a, uh, a ministry that evening, and there was just a heaviness in that building as they were setting up and preparing and getting things ready, and they just felt like they needed to take a moment and pray over the building before the ministry would take place. So the team did that. They, they prayed over the building, and, and my friend who happened to be running sound for this and helping with that, he was a team leader, and, and um, he came back and shared a story when he came off the road about this experience, and and this was a big gymnasium, a couple stories tall. And he said at one point while he was standing in the back watching the ministry take place, he said he saw a huge angel. A huge angel that went basically from floor to ceiling with a big quiver of arrows on its back, standing guard to the ministry that was going to take place in the kingdom that night. That was a powerful testimony from my friend. And I've not had an experience like that where I've seen an angel two stories high. And you, you see all these moments in Scripture when an angel shows up. What does the angel say? Fear not, right? I mean, I think when you see an angel, it's going to be wow, right? And to think God says, I've got an angel army that I commission over your life. The Bible says that angels... They're appointed to serve us. It's incredible to think about. And back when we were helping start LifeGate, one of the things that I would do before I'd go over to Humboldt is I would get the cargo trailer ready, loaded with all the stuff we would set up every Saturday night for worship. This is a story that I, I think I've told you before, but it just sticks with me. One of the things I was loading into the trailer was a cross that we would set up on the stage, on the platform. And as I'm taking this into the cargo trailer, it was an incredibly windy day, and the doors of these cargo trailers have the, the latches that help keep the door open, but the wind broke that latch loose, and the door came flying at me, and it came with such force. And even... In the midst of that, on the other side of the door, my father-in-law happened to see this go down. And when the door just suddenly stopped, he thought that it's because it hit me. And so I loaded the cross into the trailer, and he came around to see how I was doing. And I said, did you see that? And he said, yeah. Are you, I'm, I came to see if you were okay. And I said, it stopped right in front of me. And I just think how the cross... The cross, the Bible says, disarms the enemy, publicly shaming them. The power of the cross. It's so important to have the cross in your life and to recognize that he has the power 
over the enemy. Jesus has conquered the enemy and his authority can be in your life. 1 John 4, verse 4, the Bible says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in the world is, is uh, excuse me, the one who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Having the presence of God in your life makes all the difference when it comes to spiritual warfare. Perhaps you're like the, the Jews in Nehemiah's day where you... You've been doing kingdom work. There's great enthusiasm. You're halfway done with the wall, so to speak. But then all of a sudden you start getting tired. You start getting worn out, as verse 10 says. It's my prayer that God would come and encourage you and breathe that victory back into your life to where you feel like you're accomplishing great things again. I was handed a devotional this morning that's very fitting that somebody somebody gave me and it's from this devotional book called Strong by Lisa Bevere. I hope that's the right pronunciation of her last name. But I want to read this devotional to you. I think it's rather fitting for today's message. In ancient times, walls were erected around cities as a source of protection. They were an obstacle that kept wild animals and enemies at bay. It's an unfamiliar concept for us, but these cities were surrounded on all sides by unscalable walls. They stood as a warning to those on the outside. You will not be allowed in until we know you are safe. They also served as a barrier of protection for those who lived within the walls. The inhabitants of the cities learned to trust the walls and the gatekeepers for their protection from invaders and vandalism. These walls protected the citizens from the ravages of sickness. The walls acted as barriers against wind, rain, and desert storms. Now in light of this, imagine a city without walls. One that has been invaded and looted at will. Enemies and invaders come and go as they please. Who would want to live where there is no protection, where there is no shelter? When we do not protect our spirit, we inhabit a similar place. Our heart is no longer a haven or refuge of safety and peace, but it becomes violated and looted. We become subject to our moods, our impulses, and any lies or destructive words that pass through our ears. Frustration becomes our daily bread, and sorrow and regret are our portion. So how do we rebuild the walls to protect us? We can begin by adding intention to our words, by being mindful to use words that heal and build. We learn the word of God and how it applies to your marriage, your work, your children, and your friendships. Bless these areas of your life and refuse to curse them. Allow the word of God to transform your soul and you will reap the benefits. It is imperative that you allow God to disengage you from any entanglement or entrapment that occurred as a result of a past outburst or injurious words. These could be words you've spoken or the destructive words of others that were launched as missiles at your wall. Be mindful of the barrage of self-destructive words we used against ourselves. Words like, no one really cares about me. 
And in the end, I will be alone and be betrayed. Or I'm ugly and fat, and why would anyone like me? These words wound us and cause our walls to crumble. Instead, search the word for building materials and use God's promises to discover and declare the truth about yourself and let them become a strong wall of protection around your heart. It's a very fitting devotional that came to me this morning and I thought I'm going to use that for this message today. I think God's wanting to speak to us about rebuilding. And what's that look like for you in your spiritual journey? I do feel led. Last night I was reflecting on this message and I'm thinking about all of this stuff that's happening in our nation right now. You know, it's like in America in the midst of a pandemic, you look at these cities and you see the turmoil right now. The rioting, the looting, the destruction. What started as protesting of something that was so unjust. I think of the George Floyd situation and that was horrible. That was demonic. Again, it's not flesh and blood, it's against the spiritual realm. And you know the enemy was at work in that situation, in that tragedy. And it's given good police officers a bad name. But justice needs to happen there. And in the midst of that, you've got all these people that are protesting. And it starts peacefully, but then you see the enemy at work again. And it's turning destructive. And you look around in our society, you can see the spiritual warfare happening. Look around. It's real. And God says, overcome evil with good. Our response Take notes from Nehemiah. Be someone who prays. Look to God. Arm yourself with his word. Fight for your family. Keep working in the kingdom. Stick together. And always remember that God has your back. We fight our battles, but never forget that the battle belongs to the Lord. Let's lift this all to the Lord in prayer right now. Father, we thank you for this word today. Lord, we ask that you would come and that you would help. Just as Nehemiah called upon you for help, you came and you you brought the help. You fought the battle. And right now as a nation, we need your help. There is so much spiritual warfare happening. So much confusion, so much hatred. Help us to hear your voice in the midst of the chaos. Help us, Lord. And Father, as we we look internally at our own lives, help us to respond as your spirit is stirring in us right now. What are areas that we, we need to strengthen as we fight the battle each and every day? Father, perhaps there's someone listening right now that you've been been speaking to their hearts and letting them know that they need you in their life. As I've read verses today that talk about you living in your followers, perhaps there's someone right now that desires for you to come and live in their life. And if that's you listening right now, I want to lead you in this prayer. 
to receive Jesus, the one who can bring victory. Pray with me in your heart this simple prayer. Jesus, today I surrender my life to you. And I ask for forgiveness of my sin. And I ask that you would come and cleanse me and make me a new person. As you come and live in me and change me from the inside out, I ask, Lord, that you help my life with the power of the Holy Spirit to live victoriously in Jesus. I thank you today for coming into my life and being my Lord and my Savior. We thank you for this gift of salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we go into a time of response, I want to take a moment for those that might be in our parking lot or or watching right now. If you would desire prayer, if you want somebody to pray with you, you'll notice at times there's been a number on the screen. If you text pray to that number, somebody will be able to call you and pray with you and encourage you. If something about today's message just struck a chord with you and you want somebody to to pray with you and encourage you in that, please reach out to us. Also, if uh, you prayed that prayer of salvation, I just want to uh, encourage you to check out our resource we have called Now What? This resource is designed to be the next steps for your spiritual journey as you've renewed your faith in Christ or maybe came to him for the very first time today. We want to get this to you. You can go to our website, faithccpalmer.org forward slash now dash what. You can get an electronic copy of this. We also have hard copies with a free Bible that we'd like to get in your hand and you can request that right on that website. So we thank you so much for for just allowing God to speak into your life today. And as we move into this time of response and worship, continue to ask the Holy Spirit, how do you want to move in my life to bring great victory and blessing? And we thank the Lord for his presence in our life. In Jesus' name.